Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a native New Orleans chef bringing his Southern perspective to the holidays and revealing why it took him seven years to perfect a recipe. He is an entrepreneur, cookbook author, and chef. It's Kenneth Temple. Kenneth, welcome to the podcast. And before our listeners hear you speak, I just have to say you have like the best podcast voice of all time, I think. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's why I invested in this Yeti. I was supposed to be doing something with it, but you know how you buy stuff and it get locked in the closet in the yep. backpack. <laughs> That's just what happened. Well, I'm so glad we can help you put that microphone to good use here on the podcast. And I also imagine that, you know, competing on and winning Chopped is on a lot of vision boards these days, but an honor that only a few can actually achieve. So what is it like to say that you are a Chopped champion? You know, it's a real prideful thing to really say because it's not an easy feat. You know, most people struggle with cooking regular. Most chefs are comfortable cooking what they normally cook because it's their regular menu. You know, they go, unless you're one of those, you know, upscale chefs that just swap the menu every day or every month, <laughs> you know, and to enter into a competition that tests your mental stamina, it tests your pressure cooker, which is the pressure that you endure anytime you step into the kitchen to cook for anybody, even your own uh -huh. family. And then it tests your culinary knowledge. And those were the things that I was looking for to be tested while on Chopped. And I'm just grateful that I was able to win and have that honor. How did you initially get cast for that show? All right. How much time you got? So 
<laughs> so as I'll much as you, you need. <laughs> all right, so I'll give you the back backstory. So okay. two years before I got on, a friend of mine told me that Chop was casting. But literally, as I was looking for the audition, uh, the, the application to put on, I couldn't find anything. Aww. So I missed the opportunity. And then two years prior, well, you know, fast forward. So she sends me an email again. Shout out to Janae Jackson. Appreciate you, Janae. <laughs> she was like, your ass better fill this application out this time. <laughs> I said, send it over and I will. And so I did it. I put in an application and about two to three weeks went by. And then I got the call, did the audition. And as I say, the rest is history. Yeah. Well, congratulations again on that huge accomplishment. You mentioned just, you know, the challenges that whole format kind of presents for any chef, no matter Mm -hmm. how talented you are. What is the hardest thing about that competition? The the clock is real. A lot of people Mm -hmm. ask me, you know, who who know who I identify me like. So tell me, is it really 30 minutes? (laughs) Yes, it is really 30 minutes. And then the thing that made ours so difficult was it was actually a pie challenge. So instead of just, you know, your regular chop, you know, we had had to be on the theme chopped. We had to make a pie and the Mm. pie you made, you couldn't make it again. So if you advance in the next round. So let's say the first one I think I did was a hand pie. I couldn't make a hand pie for the rest of the show. Uh, Okay. Most chefs struggle unless they pastry chefs to do anything pastry bent bound right mm-hmm. so to have to create something with pies and the weird ingredients they presented <laughs> but to find a way to make them work was the real thing so the time i would say the time into on the fly creativity mm-hmm. because you really don't have but two to three minutes to contemplate what you're going to make and then the said Allen, then the judges, and then you see your peers running back and forth before, before you. It's just pressure, 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 pressure. But you have to stay locked in and trust, trust your skills and keep moving forward. How did that experience change you as a chef overall? You, you know, it just it, it just allowed me to be more attention to detail. And it also validated what I believe that I had as a, a solid culinary knowledge because I knew when I was leaving culinary school, shout out to Nickel State University, John Foles Culinary Institute in Thibodeau, Louisiana. Um, <laughs> I knew I wanted to be a private chef because I knew the restaurant life just wore you down. And I, mm. not where, y'all, war. Like that's just, <laughs> it's like a, a warp skillet in the kitchen. That's exactly yeah. what I knew that being a restaurant chef did to you. And I knew I wanted to be a private chef. And, and go that route. So unlike most of my peers who may have went into the restaurants, I wasn't studying underneath said great chef name. I was in charge of my own business and entrepreneur at 23 years old. So my background is cooking for professional athletes. So, you know, I'm your favorite first round draft pick chef, you know, that's what I like to tell people. And I know you got a sports background, so you can appreciate that. I do. That. I do. I appreciate that. So you can that. appreciate that. So you look like Malcolm Jenkins and, and Mike mm. Thomas. So some of those guys I was cooking for, right? And the beauty of it is, Sure, I wasn't working underneath said chef, but I had to create for my client and keep mm. it fresh. I had to compete with them paying the quality, well, paying the, the the rate of a private chef, but to make sure that they had the same restaurant quality mm. in-house that they would if they were to go out of house. So, you know, you always have that in the back of your mind. And if you have an adventurous clientele, like I always do, they allow you to play with your foods and create your, <laughs> you know, instead of just being, oh, I don't eat this, I don't eat that. And even if they do work within those parameters, it gives you an opportunity to be more creative to get them to actually eat something or try something new and trust you, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. 
What I mean, cooking for professional athletes, I'm always like so fascinated with, you know, the amount of calories that they have to consume every day. What what do you have to do differently for those clients versus maybe some that aren't, you know, playing professional sports? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Really? Absolutely nothing. Even though I'm from New Orleans, my style of of New Orleans cooking, I early in culinary school, I adapted a, a love for making things a little bit more healthier. So like saying my red beans, I know we're going to talk about it, but saying my red beans, while I was developing that red beans recipe, everybody said you had to have ham, ham, pork, ham, salted pork. Da, 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 da. I'm like, there has to be a way to make a delicious pot of red beans without it. So I substituted all of that with smoked turkey next. And mm. those little those little subtle tweaks helped me to still make food out, tell your tongue out your mouth. But at the same time, still be good for you. Okay. So it, I early started to adapting that. Obviously, learn the flavor profile, but then find those healthy little tweaks and adjustments that you can make so you can still savor it, enjoy it without that. I feel so heavy and sluggish. Yeah. That's know? so interesting. So you just make the same food, just more of it, I'm guessing. <laughs> well, and, and you'll be surprised. Like those guys, even though they're burning a lot of calories, they, they still would get full. You know, I haven't had the opportunity to cook for a defensive tackle or offensive <laughs> lineman, you know. But the the, the average average athlete, they, they can eat more, but they – it's more time. Mm, if, okay. if it's – we eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? Obviously, they come from, from practice. Any of us who has a serious workout regimen, you know – I'm starving. So right there, you get a nice, healthy portion. And then, you know, it's just just all about balance of the portions to make sure they get to still enjoy. Right. Because like I said, they don't have to hide my they don't have to hide me. They can go to a restaurant and get whatever. So I have to make sure that they get that same quality. But as me and you both know, in restaurants, it's foo-foo. You know, it's nice and light and and healthy and beautiful when they want to, like, I'm I'm starving, chef. Like, <laughs> I need some food. Right, feed me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so as you said, just more of it. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, you was right on it. Yeah. All right, I love that. No, I mentioned, you know, vision boards earlier. Are you a vision board person? And if so, what is on yours right now? So I did, I only probably did vision boards once in my life. No, no. Mm-hmm. No cap. But I have a vision in my head and okay. I have notes. So vision board-ish. Okay, I like it. Vision right, board-ish. What are, what, what are on your notes? I, I want to be able to replicate Kenneth. Mm-hmm. Obviously, being a private chef, I'm limited to X amount of clients that I can deal with. So being in the digital food space, you see just how crazy people who's not even chefs can blow up in the digital food mm-hmm. space. So just continuously working on the craft of creating reels, cutting those. I do. I have a food blog, kennethtemple.com, make out. All of our lives simple. So, you know, that's a way for me to just share my culinary knowledge without always having to be in a video. Mm-hmm. And then now I got this baby here. So now it's about to be start to teach this baby how to eat once the baby gets eat. So not so soon for that. But it's also just creating a digital footprint because I saw as a private chef, the digital wave coming. Mm-hmm. So that's why I started to get in front of the camera more and start to work on my camera presence and speaking clearly because, you know, I could go 100 percent New Orleanian, but nobody going to really understand what I'm saying. <laughs> so I learned that a long time ago. You know, I, I need to be able to articulate my my words, even so still keeping that, little, that southern draw. So just the biggest thing is working on the digital footprint. Mm-hmm. having opportunities like this to get in front of a bigger audience and just continue to expand uh, my brand. I, you can see it. They won't be able to see it. But, you know, I have my own cookbook, self-published. I have seasonings. I have a, a online cooking course so people can learn how to cook, like really, really cook, mm-hmm. not just follow a recipe, but know why you're doing what you're doing in the mm-hmm. recipe. You know, so just things like that, just creating digital footprints and continuing just to build a brand. 
and, and raise a child too, yes. right? Yes. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That three-week-old baby is a beautiful blessing. But <laughs> I have not had uh, adequate sleep for. Two months now. You know, before the <laughs> before the baby get here, you know, you go through all the labor and delivery, and then the baby gets here and you still can't get no sleep. So, you know, all enjoyable. When when you get to the solid food portion of, of the baby's life, what is the first like New Orleans type food that you will feed? Ooh, red beans. <laughs> Red beans. Right, that red sounds beans. like a good one yeah. with the t- with the turkey. Yep, yep. Red beans. I I ain't gonna get. I won't give the baby no no sausage, no smoked sausage, nothing like that. Just to get you a nice little red bean. Probably do the New Orleans style mac and cheese for the baby. Ooh. Most people don't know in New Orleans we use spaghetti instead of macaroni noodle. Really, that's what makes it a little bit that. different. Yes, okay. yes. So uh, so that's how big macaroni is. It's different, <laughs> but I recently found out why. Okay, I would like to know. Back in the day, way back in the days, (laughs) like in the 1500s and 1600s or something like that, macaroni was any noodle. Mm, Okay. So a spaghetti didn't really become a spaghetti until insert whenever that actually is. So Mm. a macaroni was any long noodle. It could have been fettuccine. It could have been linguine. It was a macaroni. So... That's why we have that. There we go. We learn something new every day. I love that. Yeah. Coming up next, Kenneth talks about his easygoing approach to New Orleans cuisine and later reveals the secret behind his red beans and rice recipe. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Well, I mean, speaking of which, you are known for your authentic, easygoing approach to New Orleans cuisine. What dishes to you embody the Cajun and Creole flavors that you grew up with? With with flavors, I mean, we we already covered red beans. Yeah. We already we already covered the New Orleans style baked mac and cheese. I would say something. Obviously, everybody expecting gumbo, but I would say something like a bread pudding. Mm. I would say a bread pudding. And, and the and the reason why I say bread pudding, right? Because bread pudding, we get it from the English. Mm-hmm. English introduced bread pudding into the culture, which was a uh, butter bread. Butter and bread, okay. something like that. But once you get to this melting pot of Creole culture, you know, people put fruit cocktails in there. Oh, I do a sweet potato one. Okay. For my mother-in-law, I created a turtle style, like the turtle candies. Mm. Oh, okay. And it not just, like turtle soup. <laughs> correct. Not, not the turtle soup, but the turtle. So you got the chocolate chips in it and yep. then you got the caramel sauce on top. And the reason why I just say that, why does that embody New Orleans? Because- in New Orleans, you can bring a whole lot of different cultures together and still make it harmonious with mm. the flavor profile. No matter where you may be coming from, you can add your own little flair and get that. I know y'all was expecting me to say gumbo. I know. <laughs> That's I know. OK. I like that you didn't. You mentioned some of these cultural influences. Mm-hmm. What I mean, for people that aren't aware, what are some of those influences that really comprise traditional New Orleans cuisine? <clears throat> Native American, West African, mm-hmm. French. Spanish, German. Everybody says German. Yeah, German. If it wasn't for the Germans, y'all wouldn't have Andouille sausage. Oh, okay. Um, then you have the Acadians, which are also known as the Cajuns. Okay. Then you have the Spanish. You have the Italians. That's eight of them. And yeah, all of those came together. And then late in the seventies, that's when you got the Vietnamese community to come okay. into the city too. So you have. All of those different melting pots, like a yakamine. That's another one that embodies New Orleans. Uh, every every region, like East Coast, have a yakamine too, but it called maybe yakamine or some okay. of the weird names. Go to go to my blog and we get all the text. <laughs> but it's like a Chinese Creole fusion, right? Okay. It's, the, it's the beef broth made similar to a Chinese beef noodle soup, mm, okay. but you have a little Cajun influence with the seasoning profile. And actually, that's the way I made it for my blog was I wanted to go to old school where instead of doing a quick, fast way using like bouillon, mm. I wanted to make my own broth with the beef and a, and a, a anise and a ginger, those type of flavors, and just develop that depth of flavor with Spaghetti noodles and a nice <laughs> boiled egg, you know, and lots of lots of green onions. Shout out to Miss Linda. She is the Yakamine queen. If y'all ever in the city, go to the French market and find Miss Linda Boot and get y'all a taste of New Orleans. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I wish we would have had this conversation before I went to New Orleans last month. You That's could have right. probably been a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I, that is one of the things that I love about that city is kind of everything you just mentioned. It is such, you know, a melting pot of mm-hmm. all of these different cultures and influences. Yes. Um, what are some ingredients that you will always see in, in a lot of your recipes? Onion, celery, bell pepper. Mm, of course. <laughs> Cajun, Cajun seasoning, bay leaf and thyme. I love a good bay leaf in time mm-hmm. and some type of brown sugar. If I can use dark brown sugar in anything I make, I would, but I know <laughs> everything can't require dark brown sugar, but I love to use the, I just love the depth in the, I always call it maple because people don't really, everybody don't know what molasses tastes like, but yeah. everybody can relate to I was going to say maple. the molasses, like dark, you know, yeah, that, 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 that rich that flavor. richness, right? Yeah. And, and also it's because it's like the first of the crop, right? Before they start to fully process the sugar canes and do all that, that's the first 
Mm, sugar. So it has that deep mapley molasses flavor for, for the real cooks out there who know that flavor. I just love that depth of flavor. And my wife pointed out to me when we got together that I love bitter flavors. I called the bold face lie. I said, it don't make no sense. Then she started, <laughs> then she started ramping off all of these different things that I enjoy, like blackened chicken. I love roasting peppers to get that nice little smoky flavor out of uh-huh. stuff. And I was like, okay, she, 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 she might, might know me. Yeah, she, she, <laughs> she might, she might. She yeah, might. she might know me. She might know me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, those are what, things. What would you say is like the number one mistake that you see people make when they're trying to build that flavor in a dish? Overcomplicating it. Okay. Over complicating. And, and like you said, that's my that's why I approach Cajun Creole food with a simple approach, because I remember. OK, this is a great story. So my, <laughs> my very first NBA client, when I started Savory LLC, we went to Chicago so I can cook for him during the off season. So he was like, oh, man, let's go to a restaurant. So we went to a restaurant. We eating and they had a special little section on the menu. Jamie, special little section. Say Cajun okay. Creole. OK. What they know about Cajun Creole in Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. So I ordered some gumbo. The gumbo had corn in it. The Whoa. gumbo didn't. Ha- the gumbo looked like chicken soup. That's the appearance. <laughs> like that was chowder. the appearance. Yeah, it looked like chowder. They had floating pieces of okra in it, and I just was like, "What is this?" Like, like Cajun Creole <laughs> has been around. Like y'all could have easily y'all could have ordered some some make uh, already pre made root from Cisco or somebody <laughs> and did a better job than this. I was like, why do people complicate? The culture is not that complicated. And and the biggest thing is you have to layer your flavors. Mm. Um, if you ever watch a real or YouTube short or YouTube video of me, you will always notice I layer my seasoning. So with my gumbo, I don't add my seasoning only in the gumbo once the liquid is added. Mm. I actually add a third-ish of that to the root. Mm-hmm. Why do you add it to the root, Kenneth? For the home cooks who might not know, it's because once you add it to the root, those herbs and spices, essential oils are going to start to come out and perfume the root. So mm-hmm. that's one layer. Then as we add this, the stocks and all of that and you add your seasoning, now you have more depth of flavor. So you can just taste it. Each and every bite tastes unique and delicious instead of just dumping it all in at the end. <laughs> you can tell like just talking to you that you really enjoy also learning, you know, the why and the mm-hmm. process behind everything. I mean, how does that make you a good teacher for, you know, some of these home chefs that maybe aren't as experienced? Yeah, because I'm just not going to I'm going to tell you what I know you're thinking, mm-hmm. because that's, <laughs> that's the same thing I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Why, why can't I do that? Why, why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? And then once you understand that, now you understand the technique and the fundamentals instead of just following. You know, if you just blindly follow my recipe and you'd be like, stir. OK, with my gumbo, since we're sticking about gumbo, I tell you how to make I teach you how to make a roux in five minutes. Most people mm-hmm. only know how to make a roux in four to five minutes. Well, if you I'll put you to the test, Jamie, mm-hmm. okay. if you bring oil, <laughs> if you bring oil to a smoking point. And throw flour in it. What's going to happen? It's going to burn. <laughs> or fry. Or fry. Yeah, that's true. So if we're frying the flour faster and we're constantly stirring, won't you achieve a roux, dark ah. brown roux, a whole lot faster? So than you go high heat on your roux. Once you see that high oil first, let the okay. oil come to a smoking point. Light little faint little white smoke. Now, if if it's smoking like like somebody lit a chimney, okay, that's what I was thinking. I guess no, no, you went too far. You didn't went too I far. I went too far. I always yeah, you went too far. far. It's a, it's a it's a faint smoke. It's a okay. light faint smoke. You'll notice it. Um, most of us see it when say you're frying chicken or frying fish. There's mm-hmm. a little little faint white smoke that comes off to mm-hmm. let you know that it's three fifty or three seventy five. 
Once you add that into it, is you're going to fry the root and now it's cooking. The same thing that happened when you're frying fish, all that sediment at the bottom turns a peanut butter brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you're like, oh, okay. So see, when you just start putting it, you'd be like, ah, well, I can see that makes sense. So mm-hmm. if you know the why, you will never struggle with anything in life. I love that. How did you figure out the the flour and the roux part that you just described? Was it by accident or was it you like like kind of that click like saying? <laughs> Shout out to John Foles. John Foles did a cooking demonstration. John Foles is a big Cajun Creole chef. And that's that's the guy whose name was on the culinary program at Nickel State. And he did a cooking demonstration and he did it. I was like, hmm, hmm. I wonder if I can do that. Right. Because, you know, you see instructor do it. And as we even as we was learning it, nobody else taught that. I don't think anybody else has even spoke about it since then. But we was in a room full of people in the demonstration and I saw it. I was like, that makes sense. And I'm all about efficiency in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. not not just being simple, but I want to be efficient. And if I don't have to get the Popeye spinach on from stirring the roof for 45 minutes (laughs) and while my oil's getting hot, I can be chopping my my Trinity down, my onion, celery, bell pepper, my sausage or my chicken while that's happening. Now I'm being more efficient in the kitchen so I can get Mm. in and get out. And then once that's done, now I can clean as I go. And I can sit down and entertain my guests. A lot of us struggle with the kitchen because we're not being efficient. You know, Mm. we get you just got to be more efficient. And I love efficiency in all areas of life. But once John Foles said that, I was like, huh. But then I put to side. He didn't go to the in-depth like I just explained. Yeah. I, I figured that out along the way after burning a couple of pots of root, like you just said. <laughs> you know, I figured it out. I said, oh, that, that, that fire is too hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that fire it, is too hot. It's, you know, trial and error, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> and, and, and that's a big thing most people don't do in life, period, is allow themselves to make a mistake. Mm. Just you know, if you make a mistake, just keep going, learn from it and make the adjustments. Don't beat yourself down, but keep moving. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's good advice. But, you know, especially in the kitchen, I think, you know, people get caught up in, in trying to be perfect and trying to replicate, you know, what they might see on social media. Why do you think it's important to kind of embrace some of those failures? And and like you said, learn from it and be better the next time. Absolutely. Because you're, what you see on social media there's a lot left on the editing floor. <laughs> Sometimes it depends on the chef, but most people don't shoot hot cooked food, if that may make sense to y'all. Like it may be staged, like it may look like, oh, that's a nice piece of pie. But the only thing that's really cooked in that pie is the top layer of the crust. <laughs> and, they, and they folded in some pre-cooked already apple pie and they put it in there and then did the crust. And then it's voila, like, you know, magic. TV magic, as we call it. Right. You know, but I shoot hot food. So all of my recipes, I because I'm I'm recipe developing and shooting food right now before we go on. Well, after we leave, I'm working on a recipe for a, a big food brand because I'm doing a cooking demo for them next week. It is a Thanksgiving leftover uh, theme. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a fried turkey, macaroni and cheese, collard green quesadilla. Oh, wow. We all might not have fried turkey, <laughs> macaroni and cheese and collard greens on our dinner table. But if you if you hear those combinations and think, oh, I can put the protein with a couple of my favorite sides and just make a quick quesadilla to stretch the leftovers. Mm. Like, huh. Oh, OK. That makes sense. Right. So as I'm and I have to shoot a photo for them so they can put it in the newsletter. So it's like I'm going to eat it because I want to make sure it tastes yeah. good. But then also I'm going to shoot it hot. Got to get a sexy cheese pull. All of that good stuff. So. It, the, the, the biggest thing is 
there's a lot of work that goes into making sure that picture is as beautiful, as appetizing as it is. And you have no idea how many times they actually burnt it, messed that up <laughs> before they put it out. By the time it gets to you, it's been, hopefully it's been tested and proven. But just have fun, man. Just just have fun in the kitchen. Cut on some music. Whatever you into, cut on some music. Take a sip. Take a smoke break. Do whatever you got to do to calm your nerves. <laughs> and then get into the kitchen. Just have some fun. You know, yeah. just take the pressure off and have a little fun. Absolutely. Well, speaking of which, how well do you and your wife, Miko, who we had mm-hmm. on the podcast uh, earlier this year. Hey, baby. Bring, <laughs> bring, how do you guys bring your cooking styles together in the kitchen? Because you guys are both, you know, chefs and, and content creators. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, she she has a Southern Cal Midwest Southern girl vibe. And I am a Cajun Creole king, <laughs> you know, to my heart. But as I, as we talked about earlier, all the different cultures that make it up. So we'll bounce ideas. And sometimes we clash because I have the chef approach to be more efficient. She has to home cook like I'm just cooking. But in, you know, I always just tell her, I said, you know, I'm I'm just trying to make sure you move faster. Like <laughs> st- still, still do you. But if you cut this step here, step there you'll be able to get in and out the kitchen faster. So sometimes we collaborate and just have a little bit of fun. We we both like similar flavors, but her, her, both of our brains work a little bit different. So we work well. We have gotten better. I will, <laughs> I will tell you at one point we couldn't be in the kitchen at the same time because we was Clash of the Titans. But okay. <laughs> now, now we conquer and divide. All right. So say so say if we have to roll out a peach, take the apple pie. If we have to make an apple pie, I may make the apple filling. She'll be in charge of the crust. So we just assign each other the assignments and then we'll talk about how we want to play with the the ingredients a little bit more. So divide and conquer. I, that's a good that's a good strategy for for the kitchen and just, you know, for relationships in general. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now, when we talked to Miko, she had a very cute story about how the two of you met mm. and got together. Would love to hear your your perspective, your side of of how that meeting, you know, all went down. So we both was on this show, on this food production. She was a talent. I was a talent. And. The day before I flew out there, I was talking to the guy who was in charge of it and he was FaceTiming me so we could talk about everything. And I saw saw two girls in the back and I saw Miko in the back. <laughs> and in my head, I said, I'm flirting with her tomorrow. Oh, so you, am, you knew am, right away. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to flirt with her tomorrow. She's a very pretty, pretty, pretty woman. If y'all haven't seen, just go check out M-E-I-K-O in the dish on Instagram and then follow her. <laughs> but she's already married. So back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she gave me a hug. And I felt this this sharp spark in my in my stomach, mm. and I was like, I hug a lot of women in my day. <laughs> I ain't never felt that before. Who are you? Ooh. So I have been flirting with her for the last seven years ever since that day. Oh, yeah, that's really and, sweet. And now we have a baby, so. They continue flirting happily yeah. ever after. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. she said, and she said, you also were like also made the first move by like grabbing. Her hand. Oh, she went the, that deep. Oh, she went yeah, that she deep. Went, okay. She went real deep. She went that deep. Okay. I hate holding hands. I just I, <laughs> really still to this day I hate holding hands. But I heard in my I heard in my spirit grab her hand. And I'm I'm probably like, um, let's go to like a movie scene. So I'm probably like the guy who has a lot of inner conversations. You know, <laughs> working things out. You gotta yeah. I told you I don't I don't probably don't put it on my vision board. I, I got one in my head, so I'm visualizing it, right? And all I heard is grab a hand, grab a hand. I don't even like grabbing hands. Grab a hand. I won't grab her hand. And so I look. And my hand just was kind of just sitting on the, you know, just sitting on the seat, just 
waiting to be grabbed. <laughs> <laughs> and I reached over and I grabbed the hand and she gave me the dirtiest. <laughs> Who do you think you are? You're grabbing my hand like that in this back seat. And I said, do you want me to stop? And she said, no. no. <laughs> mm. Uh, but yes, I, I still hate holding hands to this You hate day. holding hands, but you're still flirt with her every day. And I love yes, that. <laughs> yes. And I, I will hold her hand. I will hold her hand whenever she needs me. But uh, I hate holding hands to the point that when it's time to say grace over anything, my friends want to grab hands to say grace just because they know it messes with me. <laughs> just because. It, those are some good friends. <laughs> yeah. Can't y'all just keep y'all hands to yourselves? I just finished washing my hands and pureling them. And I don't know if y'all washed y'all's. Now we got, mm, okay. <laughs> we got a lot. We got a lot. There's a right. lot going on. And that inner monologue keeps going, right? <laughs> well, the two of you also teamed up for a few episodes of Served Family Style, which is our Food Network digital series where chefs prepare celebratory dishes for a holiday at home with family members. And you created a bourbon pecan peach galette for Thanksgiving, which sounds which sounds heavenly, by the way. What does the temple's Thanksgiving table typically look like? I'm gonna be honest with you. It depends on what's going on. Um, <laughs> simply because, right? We as content creators, we have to have all of the holiday fall recipes done by July. <laughs> so it can be on the website and has enough time for Google to do its thing. So yeah. by the time it gets to this this time of the year, we're done. We didn't had all of the macaroni you, you variations. You cooked like three Thanksgivings by this Yeah, point, right? and we like, yo, let's play Chopped. Oh, okay. Let's see what we have in our fridge. Let's see what we have in our cabinets. And let's just create let's just have some fun so it, it varies you know and that's what we do because by this time of the year we didn't cook all of that stuff and like you said three thanksgivings for for a whole trilogy of families <laughs> but we always have food because we're content creators so we just like to play and then that's when we actually work better together because okay as we're dividing the conquer you take this i take that okay call a few friends what y'all doing y'all hungry we just made you know you know Content creators, we just go ahead on to just scan the video and <laughs> just let all the steam come up and, you know, then people come over and then we don't have too many leftovers and they wash the dishes. So win-win. <laughs> it's a win-win for win, sure. Win. <laughs> all right. What do you think is the most overrated Thanksgiving dish and which is your favorite? Overrated? Turkey. Yeah. <laughs> overrated is turkey in New Orleans. The turkey is the side dish. We are coming. <laughs> I like that. We are coming for the stuffed merlaton. We coming for the macaroni. We coming for the candy yams, the greens, the potato salad. Oh, yeah. I'll take some turkey now. I'll, yeah. Just I'll a, take a, a little I'll take on the a, side. Just a little turkey. My favorite is that bite on the fork mm. when you got the mac and cheese, the candy yams, <laughs> the peas, the turkey with the gravy and that little piece of cornbread or dinner roll on one bite. It's just the perfect bite. Mm. Thanksgiving on a fork. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Excuse me, y'all, while I, while I go there and then come back. Okay. Okay, you, I'm back. You left us for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, you know food food has a great way of, of uh, connecting your memories. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's uh, one of the strongest memory sources that we have, um, simply because the sense and also the nostalgia of the memories that's connected to it. So food is a, is a very deep uh, thing. I learned that early on that food is one of the only – being a chef, being in the food industry is one of the only professions you could touch a person on all five senses mm. at one time. That's so true. 
No, I mean, it's 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 a powerful, powerful tool and it brings so many people together, which I think is also a, a really cool aspect of it for yes, sure. Yes, yes. A beautiful thing. Speaking of which, you know, you kind of teased this a little bit earlier okay. in our conversation. Um, you also in this series shared a Kwanzaa recipe with your red beans and rice and tell us why it took seven years to perfect this recipe. All right. So I'm just going to give y'all a little, a little, little, little breaker. This was Miko's red beans that okay. she made out of a can. <laughs> okay. And and she know how I feel about the red. That was actually the first time she ever made red beans from them. Okay. So she used to make this dish for her friends in college and said she used to have a good XYZ rapport on these beans. Mm. Well, I'm like, well, since you're the guy with a real New Orleanian, you know how to really hook up them beans, right? And so it took me seven years because, as I said earlier, one thing about Cajun Creole food is I layer the flavor profile, right? Mm -hmm. So as I'm layering the beans, it tastes good. You know, it's all right. You know, these beans are good. You know, the, the smothered, the smoked turkey next still providing that same smoky flavor that the ham hocks would, mm -hmm. but without all of the sodium that they would add to the dish. It tastes good. Then I think one time I was watching Ann, Chef Ann Burrell on Food Network, and she said, season your beans at the end. And she was doing like white beans or something, something. And I was like, season the beans at the end. Okay, let me try it. So I had my own little red bean mixture that was almost like a Cajun blend. Mm -hmm. But then I swished it up a little bit subtly and added something that you probably would never find in a traditional New Orleans red beans and rice. And everybody from New Orleans who hit us, they questioned me. And then I said, <laughs> then I say, follow my recipe and try it. And then unquestion me. And I'm going to question you. <laughs> and then and talk that, to me. Yeah. And then talk to me. And that seasoning is cumin. Okay. Love cumin. Cumin has a slight smoky mm -hmm. taste to it that pairs deliciously with all of those smoked sausages and mm. smoked turkey necks in it and gets this extra little, it's, I can, you know, I could taste the season, but what is that? So adding a cumin to it and mm. also adding it at the end took my beans from pretty good beans. Like, yeah, you can make these for the family. Nobody's going to talk bad about you to like, you're in charge. <laughs> so you're in charge. You are of the captain now. Exactly. You are the captain now. I might have to watch that movie. I might have to watch that movie. <laughs> oh, I love that. So, so that's what it took. And, 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 and the seven years was being a culinary student, mm -hmm. learning about it, because I didn't grow up with my grandmama's kip like most people. I went to culinary school because on the whim because I had to figure out what I was going to do in my life after graduating high school. And I was like, cooking's cool. <laughs> you know, let me let me try that. I was like the regular kid. I can eat good. I can almost be a food critic, but how to do it, I had no idea. Mm. So learning, that's why I always ask the whys. And yeah, so red beans, cumin at the end throughout those years of culinary school and then still perfecting it. And then those subtle little tweaks made it perfect Love and still it. healthy. Well, that's, I mean, a win-win, like you said. Yes. So people have to check that out on foodnetwork.com. And it has been such a, a pleasure chatting with you and getting yes, yes. To, to know your side of the story after uh, <laughs> speaking with your lovely wife as well. We're going to finish things off with a little rapid fire round. And then we have one final question for you. Let's go. All right. Number on your Saints jersey. 12. Who's, whose number is that? Uh, it was Marcus Colson. I just like the number 12. And you just like the number 12? Yeah, I like the right. number 12. Yeah, 12 and 27 used to be my two favorite numbers. And then, like I said, I started cooking with Malcolm Jenkins and Malcolm Jenkins had the number 27. I said, he all right in my book. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> what is your catchphrase? Oh, yeah, baby, let's eat. <laughs> 
I love it. I love it. I love scrolling through your reels and everyone starts with that, which is. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you got to have a brand, right? You yeah. have to brand yourself. You have to find a way to stand out. And I created that because I was like, I have to let them know I'm from New Orleans. Yeah. So I got to let them know I'm representing. So, oh, yeah, baby, let's eat. It's already copyrighted. Don't try it. And, um, <laughs> and, 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 and the end part of it was just something I just said at the end was with your hunger self. So people love that. Because, you know, at the end of the reel, you, you're like, damn, this looks amazing. Yeah, with your hunger self. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. This is a selfish question. Your top three must visit New Orleans. Rest- restaurants. Ooh, at least I got three. Okay, so the Gentilly Spice Kitchen, and the reason why I say Gentilly Spice Kitchen, it's a hole in the wall in Gentilly, but they serve home style food. Mm. Most restaurants you cannot get smothered turkey necks with gravy, cabbage, cornbread. <sighs> Shout out to Gentilly Spice Kitchen. Okay, <laughs> so that's one. It used to be it used to be K Paul's. K Paul's was probably one of the only restaurants I trusted in the French Quarter doing authentically Cajun Creole cuisine, but K-Paul shut down after mm-hmm. COVID-19. But while you're there, I will tell you, go to Bryson's and Bryson, Frank Chef Frank Bryson was Paul Proudhon's protege, who, fun story, who was actually there when he created the blackened redfish recipe and technique. Mm. So Frank Bryson, that okay. Bryson's, they, he, he's doing it well. And Dark Horse, Dark Horse, Shia. I will oh, tell you Shia, go to Shia. Yeah. Yes, I will tell you go to Shia. Yeah. All right. Everybody take notes for your next New Orleans Everybody take trip. Notes. And then also <laughs> Clancy's. Clancy's Upsound is pretty good. Morrow's is delicious. We already talked about Willie Mae's Scotch. Hopefully they op- open Fried back, open back, back up, up soon. Yeah, yeah, after that fire. But if you're in Los Angeles, they have one out there in Los That's Angeles true. now. Oh, okay, I'll stop. I can, I can kind of go. We'll do another podcast just on your <laughs> New Orleans reps. All right. You're the key for cooking for a large group. Ooh. I'm thinking how do I want to say this? The key, because <laughs> I have to do it on Saturday for a large group. I would say knock out the hardest thing first. Knock out the hardest thing first. If you're doing a large thing, I will tell you to, if you don't even have sheet pants on your island, dinner table, extra table, put everything into sections. So if you put your protein and all the sauces in a line. Then do the same thing with your vegetables, your side dishes, and even do the exact same thing with your pots and pans. Pull everything out so you can see it. Because most of us, once we start cooking, you know, the pressure gets on, the kitchen starts getting hot. Somebody keep calling our phone. The kids won't (laughs) stop crying. You get frustrated. But if you have everything out and knock out the hardest thing first, because if the hardest thing first is working, now all the little things you can do while that's gone. So say, for instance, this Saturday for a dinner party, I got this big old spread. But one thing I have to make is a a chocolate sour cream pound cake. Well, while that pound cake is in the oven, I'm going to be making the short ribs. I'm going to be searing off the chicken for the uh, chicken marsala. I'm going to start uh, my prep on my glazed carrots. And so you can see like while that Mm -hmm. cake's over there baking, that's an hour and 30 minutes. We can start working on some other things like that there. And when the cake comes out, got to cool, we can still be gone. So hardest thing first. And then work your way down in that intermediary uh, process. And that's the same thing for life, y'all. That's just not kitchen. <laughs> get that's, the hard stuff out of the way Get the hard first. stuff out the way. Because then after that, it's downhill. I know most of us want to do the easy thing. But think about if you do the easy thing first and now you got this hard thing. Like you kind of like you're intimidated. But if you knocked out the hard thing, you, you know, you, you feeling like, yeah, you feeling like the world champion. Bring it on. You know, you want me to boil potatoes? Ah, nothing. I just finished frying the whole turkey outside in 30 degrees. Bring it on. Best piece of advice you've ever been given. 
allow yourself to make mistakes. Mm. Allow yourself to make mistakes. Very good one. Ideal date night with Miko. Oh, PG-13, 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 <laughs> PG-13. Ideal. I would love to go to a new restaurant. We love trying new things. So somewhere new. Now I have to add a babysitter. Okay. So, yeah. so, so okay. Now I got a whole new pre- ideal night. Okay. So we got a babysitter. Woo! And the baby acts great with the babysitter so they don't have to call us while we're on this ideal date. <laughs> Insert that into the ideal date. Then we go somewhere around Dallas, find the new food, new craze that we want. Talk about our goals. Talk about how we want to take our family to the next level and things we want to see in improvement. Big each other up on areas of improvement that we see each other growing and handling the different situations. Then Go back, get the kid. Everybody's well. We have a good night. New food memory unlocked. And then probably find a way to take one of our favorite dishes or a couple of dishes there and play in the kitchen and turn into a second date night and include the baby while the baby's here too. So shout out <laughs> to you, Asa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect. Celebrity you've loved cooking for the most. Ooh, this is a trick question. <laughs> this is a trick question. Okay. I'm thinking, y'all. I'm thinking. Dramatic, dramatic pause for a fact. But I'm, I'm thinking, I've been doing this for 14 years, so I've had some fun with some people. <clears throat> okay. Okay. This is this is hard, y'all. Because there's <laughs> a lot of people. Okay. So I would say one would be Patty LaBelle. Mm, wow. It's, once it's Patty LaBelle, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing no about explanation Pat- needed. Right. And, and, the, and the fun thing about Patty LaBelle was it wasn't even like a, a client to client thing. It was me working with her on essence. But the mm. challenge, y'all, the challenge, y'all, is I had to cook her recipes. Mm. But when Patty took a bite of my all the different things of the food and Patty said, you can cook your ass off. That's me cooking for Aww. Patty LaBelle. So I don't know how y'all want to count that, but I had to cook all the food. She ate the food and said, I could cook my ass off. I got it on camera. It's on tape. Living legend. And she was so sweet. She was Aww. so sweet. I know she may give off a diva-ish appearance when she's out, but she's such a sweetheart, even from the pre-calls leading up to it. Such a sweet person to deal with. And, you know, somebody you grew up listening to your whole life, that's... Maybe it's Patty LaBelle. Yeah. I mean, mic drop right there. She <laughs> she loved your food. Um, all right. Final question for you. We ask everybody the same question um, at the end of our interviews. All of them are different. Uh, what would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So take us through the progression of breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. You can travel, time travel, spend as much money as you want. There are no rules. We just want to hear your ideal food day. Yeah. I'm a, I'm sorry, y'all, but I'm a, I'm a very simple Southern man. So, no, that's okay. So we go ahead and get the day started off with some cheese grits, over easy eggs, some slightly blackened. Well, well, see, when I used to burn it, I used to think I like it charred, but that's blackened sausage with some biscuits, some nice buttermilk biscuits. No orange juice, just give me water. I already got all the sweetness to it. <laughs> then lunch, I would say, ooh. I love cheeseburgers. So lunch, give me a nice burger with some beautiful onion rings Mm. and a beautiful sweet tea. Follow that up with a nice, delicious pound cake. Mm, Insert somebody who got a good pound cake. And then since I already had a big breakfast, big dinner, I will go ahead on and just settle it with some beautiful smothered chicken over rice with some peas and a nice little cornbread. Mm, perfect. And I'll be done. Yeah. yeah. Nice <laughs> and easy. Yeah. No fall girl, y'all. I'm sorry. No fall no. girl. You know, just nice, good old 
home style cooking because that's where it starts at. It starts at home. That's where the memories are laid at. And that's where the foundation of cooking has always been that us chefs bring it into the restaurant to bring a taste of our homes to yours. It starts with the food memories at home. Love that. Perfect way to end this conversation as well. I've so enjoyed chatting with you. Likewise, and likewise. I can't wait to check out more episodes of Serve Family Style. Thank you, Jamie. Make sure y'all follow me at Kenny Temple everywhere. You can watch Kenneth and Miko on Served Family Style on foodnetwork.com. Make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.